And so let's go to the Word of God. Let's, if you will, we're in the book of 1 John. So I want to share with you a quick study, just a brief study on 1 John so that we can feed what God has produced tonight and so that it begins to function. Those dead zones have come to life. They need to begin to taste faith once again. Amen? You with me? 1 John. Now, John is writing a letter to this group of believers because there's been false teaching that came into the church. And so John is trying to work against the false teaching by giving them a three-layer approach. I told you about this last week with John. He's different than Paul. Paul's very logical and sequential in his teaching and line upon line and so forth. John has more of a Hebrew approach where it flows in and out, where it's got layers. And uh, if you will, uh, how many of you know that there's like a layer cake here? And uh, the three layers that we're going to find in 1 John is this, that we're to walk in the light. That's our personal uh, righteousness. We studied that last week. If we're to walk in the light of God, we've got to bring everything into the light. Do you remember that? Do you remember us studying that? We've got to bring everything into the light. We have to confess or agree with God concerning sin. We have to bring everything into the light with Him. And that's what John's talking about. At the same time as you're reading through 1 John, he adds another layer that says, love God and love your brothers. Love God and love others. That's the next layer. We're going to look at that tonight. Next week, we'll look at the third layer that he's layered in this beautiful mixture. And that third layer is the incarnation of Jesus. Now, all three of these have something to do with the false teaching that came into the church. And so, as we looked last week about walking in the light, let's look at tonight concerning loving God and loving others. Now, I want you to see that what John says is this. It's very interesting. He said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 7, he said, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is is already shining. That sounds a bit confusing. <laughs> He's saying, listen, what I need you to understand is the old commandment. And so I'm not going to give you a new commandment. I want you to understand the old commandment, but at the same time, understand it in a new way. Does that make sense to you? What's the old commandment? As we walk through 1 John, as you read through it, you can read through it in four easy chapters. Uh, as you read through it, um, you'll see that what he's talking about concerning the old commandment, I put it on your outline there, Mark chapter 12, 28 is this. When the Pharisees came to Jesus, they asked, which commandment is the most important of all? Do you remember what Jesus said? The most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and strength. And the second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. That's the old commandment he's talking about. There's, no, there's nothing new here. He said, uh, you need to love God with your whole heart and love your neighbor as yourself. 
Just as Jesus summarized the law, the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments have to do with you and God. The last six of the Ten Commandments have to do with you and your neighbor. That's the old commandment. That's the law of God. That's what God wants us to do. God wants us to love Him with our whole heart, mind, soul, body, and strength, and to love others. That's the old commandment. But we've got to do it in a new way. There's a new way to do the old. How about that? A new way to do the old. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. What did He come to do? Fulfill it. Fulfill the law. So He came to complete, to perfect it, to meet all of its righteous requirements in Him. He is the law. He is the Sabbath. He is the sacrificial system. He is the priesthood. He is the dietary law that makes them unique from others. He's our diet now. This is all the old, but it's now found in the new command of Jesus. Because they couldn't love God with their whole heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. Because they were still an Adam. And they still had flesh. And they continued to fail that law of God, didn't they? And so the commandment didn't change, but God changed us so that we could fulfill that commandment in a new way. How? Through Jesus Christ. That's what John's writing about. You don't have to go back to an old sacrificial system. You need to walk in the new commandment of Christ Jesus. And so John 13, Jesus said this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. And so there's the commandment of God. There's the commandment of Jesus. And you know why it's new? Because Jesus showed us how to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and body. Jesus showed us how to love one another when he, on, on that night of Passover, he, he put, girded his loins and began to wash their feet when he should have been washing their hands. He said, I came to serve, not be served. The reason it's new in a new command is because none of us knew how to love God until Jesus showed us how. No one could approach God until Jesus paid the price through his blood so that we could now approach him. And so the old commandment is made new in Jesus. Now, because of what Christ did on the cross, and my sin is cleansed by that blood, His Spirit comes and dwells in me. So now I can fulfill the righteous requirements of the old commandment in a new way through the power of God's own Spirit in me. That's you. That's me. We're fulfilling the law of God. Tonight, you poured out your love for God with your whole heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. And we can continue with that. We can go forward. Did you give your whole heart, your whole strength, everything you got? I don't think we did. I'll be honest with you, I don't think we did. We reserve ourselves. Because we just don't want anybody to think we're a bit awkward or weird. But I'm telling you, we need to let loose the Holy Spirit of God. 
We need to love God the way the Spirit loves God. We restrain Him from His love. How many of you know the Holy Spirit wants to break loose in love of God? The Holy Spirit wants to pour out. Remember what happened on the day of Pentecost? That release of the Holy Spirit. That wind came like a howling wind. It came like a mighty rushing wind. It was a tornado. It was a hurricane because the Holy Spirit couldn't wait to get into mankind and complete what Christ had brought. He couldn't wait. He came howling. He came blowing like a strong wind. And as soon as He reached every soul, He lit them up on fire. And he began to burn in every one of them. And as he began to burn, the abundance of their heart began to speak Holy Spirit languages. Spirit language became to come out of unclean vessels, now cleaned by the blood and burning like a lamp, the very person of God's Holy Spirit. And as they began to burn the fire of God, they ran out into the streets. They were locked behind a door and nothing could stop them now. They had to come out and they began to speak in all the languages of the earth. And you know what it says that they spoke? It says they spoke all the praises of God. The Holy Spirit got into people because He wanted to give voice to them so that God would be loved for the first time with their whole heart, mind, soul, and body. The laws fulfilled so that a man could love God. And the Spirit was so satisfied to love God unashamed, unabashed, and to use them as the vehicle for His love to the Father. Come on, who wants to be an instrument of the Holy Spirit? Who wants to be a trumpet and a saxophone and a trombone and a drum? Who wants the Holy Spirit to just release the love He has for the Father and for the Son? And the Father and Son pours into us the love of God, which is the Holy Spirit. He keeps pouring in us and it keeps pouring out and it redounds. And this love creates this powerful experience in God. I don't care if someone thinks I'm an idiot. I don't care if someone thinks I'm a jerk. I've got life and truth and the reality. Amen? I've got eternal life. So now this this law is fulfilled and now I can love God with my whole heart, mind, soul, and body and strength. And now that I can do that, John says this. You then need to love your brother. That's the new commandment. It needs to be manifest. Jesus said, we are not going to be known at all by this world except by one thing that's going to separate us from them. A holy love. A love from heaven that man can't comprehend. The love of the bride of Christ. The love of the church one to another. Let's take a look at that. And what's interesting is how he contrasts it. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 9-11. through 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there's no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The Spirit of holiness dwells in us. The love of God dwells in us. It is a complete contradiction to have the love of God in us and have offenses and hatred towards our brothers and sisters. It doesn't compute. It's a contradiction that will drive you crazy. The reason it will 
cause such conviction and confusion and distortion in your life is because the love of God is in you and it, and it needs to be expressed to others. But if you're altering it into attitudes towards other people, if you're operating out of the flesh towards other people, knowing them not in Christ but in your judgment and in their attitude, come on, it's not going to fly. You're in darkness and you're blind. All right? But no one here has that problem. Thank God. We're going to let that love flow one for another. Look, at, I understand, and, and, and we understand, Paul even says, you know, if, if you've dealt with a brother and uh, one time went to him, two times you went to him, on the third time, mark him, stay away from him, and keep peace as best as you can. But don't hate them. There's no room for hate in a believer. There's no room for hate to this world. You know, we've got to be careful because the, the language and the attitude in the church, we, we of course are crying out against gay marriage. We're crying out against this move to have a genderless society. And, and it's trying to infiltrate our laws in the land. Of course, we will speak out for truth and righteousness, but we cannot speak against those souls and those people and bring any level of hatred towards them. How will we win them to Christ? So we speak the truth, but we love. We draw our lines and say, no, not this, but we love you. And of course, Islamic terrorism, we stand against and we will protect from those Islamic terrorists, but those people of Islam, those people of Buddha, those people of other religions, they're blind, they're dead spiritually. The only thing that will reach them is the love of Jesus, the same love that reached you. The world doesn't understand that. What the world understands is Christians hating other people. They get that because they have the same attitudes. But they're completely confounded when a Christian can come to somebody who is their enemy and say, I love you and I am praying for you. I don't like what you're doing and I will do everything I can to stop violence and stop these issues, but I will pray for your salvation and care for you. That's the love of God. Shed abroad. That's the love of God. Let's go on. Now, look at this. He begins to equate it with the story of Cain and Abel. 1 John chapter 3. Turn there, and I'll show you what I mean. 1 John chapter 3. He says this in verse 11. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. That's the old. That we should love one another. What's the old? We're to love one another. What's the new? As Christ loved us. Weren't we His enemies? Didn't He die for us? That's a profound love. So that's the old in a new way. Verse 12, We should not be like who? Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in abiding him. We can't be like Cain. We're to be like Abel. And this is the contrast. The contrast is this. Cain hated Abel. Why? Abel was obedient 
to the Father in bringing a sacrifice, and it was righteous. Cain, representing the world, hated Abel. Why did he hate Abel? Because his sacrifice was disobedient, sin was in his heart, and he didn't do what God had required. It's a contrast between Jesus, the faithful one, and the world in rebellion. The world is Cain, and the righteous ones are Abel. Jesus said, I hear the blood of Abel. God said, I hear the blood of Abel crying from the earth. But the writer of Hebrews says, there's a greater blood than the blood of Abel. It's Jesus. That's why John says, the world's going to hate you. They're Cain. You're bringing a sacrifice pleasing to God. You're saying that you have the favor of God, the grace of God upon you. They're going to hate that. But you're going to bring the sacrifice anyway. And the sacrifice is love. That you're going to lay your life down. So don't be surprised if people don't like you, if people hate you. That should not determine how you love. Brothers and sisters, the church has got to stop taking its cues from the world. We take our cues from Him and Him alone. The Spirit of God would have you give. If they smack you in the right cheek, what do you do? Turn the other cheek. Well, it was the left, then turn to the right. Okay. (laughs) If they take you one mile, what do you do? You go two. This is the love of God. Let me read to you uh, the, the next portion of Scripture in 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. It's perfected in us. It's seen in us. Now look at this. Verse 20 of chapter 4, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar, for he does not love his brother. Whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. So, the world can't see God. They can't see the love, but they can see it in you. They're not going to see God but they're going to see God in you. That's the witness. They're going to know that we're His disciples by our love. This is the Great Commission. This is how we're going to win the lost. That we would love unconditionally and we would lay our lives down. That's how they see God. I don't know how many testimonies I've heard of Muslims who have come to a knowledge of Jesus because they saw Christians give love. They've never experienced this kind of love. This is how the lost find God. They feel His love through the people of God. That's us. It's the hour for us to shine. It's the hour for us to love unconditionally. 
It's the time for us to give our lives that possibly a soul might be saved. Our lives are worth giving up for the sake of a lost soul being found. How many of you know that? You've already got salvation. You already have an eternal reward. You already know where you're going. Let's live this way. It's a love that demonstrates God. John is straightforward. He said, how can you say you love God and hate your brother? We've got to get it right. We've got to begin to love like we've never loved before. And the only way we're going to love like Jesus is to know how Jesus loves. Does that make sense? We've got to learn the love of Jesus. We've got to read the Gospels and see how he gave his life. We've got to see that even despite people who mocked him, who beat him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He loved them even in their ignorance and even in their killing of him. We don't separate ourselves from others because we don't like them because they don't like Jesus. We run into the crowds who hate Jesus. I, was, I told you this last week. I, I went out to dinner on Friday night. Uh, we went to uh, the theater and, uh, to see Riverdance. I love that. And after that, we went to Ferndale to go out to dinner. And someone said there was a great Italian restaurant. When we got there, and, and, and I walked out, and there seemed to be a, a festival. And it was like, oh, this is cool. And I walked into this festival in the middle of a gay pride festival. <laughs> it was otherworldly. It was like, wow, look at these people. And I thought, there's no Christians here. There's no Christian booth here. There's no one handing out tracts. There's no one, you know what I mean? I, I started to think, wow, that would be a tough one. I don't think they'd like it. But you know what? It would all depend on what we began doing there. And then I, I just, how many ever do this? You ever just imagine what, what could be? And I thought, you know, if we were there, it wouldn't be like, repent, you're going to hell. It would be like, we'll pray for anyone sick here. Is anybody sick? We want to pray healing in your life. We want to tell you about Jesus. If they spat on us or rejected us, we'd say, you know what? Can we pray for you at least? Could, do, do you have a problem with your relationship with your mom or dad? Or is there an issue of your physical ailment? We want to pray healing in your life. To give up who we think we are for loving the lost. This is a radical love. Can I say it? The American church... Our love hasn't been radical. It's not been radical, but it's coming. What we did tonight by just loving Jesus. Do you see, that's why when we worship unashamed and we begin to love him, guess what's going to happen? When we begin to love him with everything we got, what's going to transform? Our love for others. You're going to become so radically in love with Jesus that you're willing to die for others. It's the only way, it's the only way you'll give up your flesh is to be close to him. And you'll begin to love others and have patience with others. Road rage will evaporate as you worship Jesus. Has anybody noticed how crazy the roads are lately? There's so many people on the roads. It's going nuts out there. But you know what happens when you so, you're so filled with the love of God, you're in such a place of loving Him with your whole heart, mind, soul, and body, what is it going to transform? Your love towards others. Don't restrain or refrain your love to God because the outcome will be towards others. So that's all I want to share with you in 1 John. 
that we're to love like Jesus loved and we're to fulfill the old commandment in a new way. To love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and body so that we can love our neighbors as ourselves.